Greg Waugh and Dan Beeson are smart enough to know better. Welcome to episode 91 of Smart Enough to Know Better, a podcast of science, comedy, and ignorance. I am Greg Waugh. And I'm Dan Beeston. And in this episode, I will discuss whether it's worthwhile sending your kids to a private school. And I will be showing you the sounds that cannot be heard. And I will point out whether or not your dog loves you or not. Then Greg is going to send me back to 900 AD in the Khmer Empire. I will do that. So Dan, this week in science, what have you been up to? I did something local, Ooh. which might be a little bit boring for our international listeners, mm-hmm. listeners, or it might enthuse them about a holiday to beautiful <laughs> Brisbane, Australia. <laughs> wow, Dan's trying to make money into the economy. Well done, Dan. Yeah, yeah. It's Ooh. the third highest economy thing in Australia. <laughs> thing? After, I think, oh, wow, we, we, we sell uh, the most things, do we? That's good. After rocks and sheep. Right. Oh, you mean tourism? That's the one. That's tourism. The, right. I understand. Yeah. Without tourism, we don't eat. Yeah. So please come Not over. Individual listeners are smart enough to better, yes. unless they're really rich. In which case, could we have a grand, please? <laughs> now, when I used to live on the south side of Brisbane, oh, now you know he's on the north side. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, once again, we're closing in on where Dan lives. When I was out there, if the, I had guests to Australia, I could drive them out to Wakehole Prison. And that's where there were stacks of kangaroos. Yes, like, yes. Basically 15 minutes from the city centre, mm. you could drive out hundred, like dozens and dozens of kangaroos. I've heard something about that prison, because I know that prison you're talking about. Yep. Uh, space feed inmates to the kangaroos. No, 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 no. But that field where the kangaroos live, yeah. it doesn't get watched a lot because it's a private field with kangaroos, but people supposedly go there and throw packages over the fence and the packages get picked up by prisoners on the inside. Supposedly it's a really big problem. You go, how can that be a problem? You can put a camera and go, go away, stop throwing mobile phones over the... Hey, wow. hey, hey, quit it. Sort of stuff. If, 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 there you go. Supposedly lots of contraband and things get in over that fence. But it's a massive field with a spotlight on I it. No, I don't. It's just, I, I suppose you just run up with... No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. You dress as one of them kangaroos. Oh. Like, no, yeah, it's, 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 sort of wander up as Skippy. Hi, I'm a fellow marsupial with a mobile phone. And his, his pocket came in handy. <laughs> Is that what you're talking about? Is that what we're talking about? Uh, wildlife in Brisbane. Yes. So I was like, well, where would I find wildlife on the north side? Mm. I found a website and it shows you all the spots around Brisbane where you can see different wildlife. So you could travel an hour and a half south Mm. and if you're really patient you could see a platypus down at Cedar Creek. Very nice. There's kangaroos just north near Redcliffe. Yes. right. And then stingrays. Apparently it's really easy to see stingrays just off the coast here near my... Uh, residence. Oh, uh, no. What uh, he's a, he lives on the north side in a coastal residence. Excellent. And then there was another thing. It said turtles. Yeah. When you see turtles in Brisbane, there's a pond right next to my supermarket. There you go. Great big Ooh. pond. And I went, a pond? Well, I'm going to go down there and see the turtles. <laughs> and I'm going to feed the ducks. Oh. But mm-hmm. you're not supposed to feed the ducks bread. No, they don't like bread. No. Well, they, they like it, but they're not meant to eat it. Yeah, because... Right. They're uh, paleo diet ducks. They're yeah. not meant to... They're ducks not meant to feed a duck anything that wasn't around 10,000 years ago. There you go. <laughs> it, might kill them. it might kill their babies. What happens is the bread swells up inside them and they explode in a fireball. <laughs> No, it's basically junk food for ducks. Yeah. So it it's makes junk food, it's junk food for everyone. Bread's terrible. But breads are terrible. Oh, it's delicious. It's, it is. It turns directly to sugar in your mouth for goodness sake. Yeah. Carbohydrates into in your mouth suddenly turn into sugar. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just packaged energy. But the ducks get fat. Yes. And then plump. And they can't fly high enough to avoid cats and other predators. Oh. So you're not so I didn't take any bread down. Right. I said what what can you I took a drone, he's lifting ducks off the surface. What can I <laughs> What can you well, you wouldn't be able to escape that. That's what I'm saying, you know, you help it out. You're there. Oh you, I see. You, it's like a little backpack for ducks. Or a little jetpack on them. Yeah. <laughs> Smack. <laughs> that fireball problem again. <laughs> Right, yeah, so you fed the ducks. Um, no, you didn't feed the ducks. I did. You did feed the ducks. But you know what I fed them? I, got, I took some rice. Mm-hmm. and Rice isn't good either, is it? Is that rice not good for them? No, rice is fine. Oh, okay. okay. Apparently. And some celery with negative calories? That's a lie. That's, so I, that's a, I shouldn't no, say that. No, I got some frozen veggies. Like, you just frozen peas and corn and carrot. Why frozen? Because I don't have it. Fresh? Oh, okay. That's not, all I had in the it's, freezer. It's the frozen is not the important part. No. Yeah, right. You're like firing hard yeah. pellets of food at ducks. Just, like, yeah. bing, bing, right through its brain. Yeah, you've got to fire it down their throat, right? That's the way. Because they won't eat it by themselves. No, 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 they don't no, like. No, no, it's no, disgusting. They're it's terrifying. so healthy. 
I want to go after the junk food. No, no, no. But I, I went down there and there's a great big sign that says, please do not feed the ducks. Oh. And I was like, balls. Because mm. if you feed the ducks and they become dependent yeah. on the food and yeah. and then they, and is it, they're aggressive. And they'll come to your house. They'll come to your house. And they'll start panhandling. Stay, they, oh, nice uh, set of grain. Like nice silo. What nice, a nice silo you nice, have. Nice, nice, nice grain silo you got there. Oh, wouldn't it be, be a ter- shame if someone started to eat all them little That's pellets? A, it'd be terrible if you were uh, quacked up. Oh, I've got nothing to say. I'm a mallard. You know... Uh, I, I, I am mallard. I'm mallard. I am so mallard. Come and have a go if you think you're duck enough. We reproduce through gang rape. <laughs> oh, I have a corkscrew. Which is just nature. It, it is just nature. nature. Beautiful. And, and a corkscrew penis. And corkscrew vaginas, it's even weirder that they've got backwards yeah. corkscrewing. Uh, do you have a backwards corkscrew vagina? I don't think you do, son. You will soon. You are not going to enjoy this. <laughs> this, this. No, 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 no. Okay, so I didn't feed the ducks. No, and you didn't get attacked by them? But the sign didn't say that I wasn't allowed to feed all the other birds. <laughs> and so there was a bunch of different birds there, waterfowl. How did you stop the ducks getting the food? Um, well, I stepped on their necks. Oh, that's fine. That's a, that's a violent little gangbangers that they are. Yeah, nasty little pieces of work. <laughs> and so, yep, I fed them, and then suddenly little turtles popped out, and they wanted some stuff. Aww. And it was very exciting to be able to feed all the birds except for the ducks. That's pretty awesome. Well, my week in science is nothing to do with ducks or animals. It was I was working with 3D printing, building up a, an extruding printer, so additive manufacturing, and actually working with children and, and teaching them about 3D printing. And the fun thing is to go, hey, see this new technology that we're like, woo, 3D printing. It's been around for 30 years. What? <laughs> Longer than you've been alive. Wow. It's not, it's not new. Now, there's modern techniques, which are but the whole idea of extruding a bit of plastic and running around like a, like a dot matrix printer. And I said that's the kids. It's funny. These are high school kids. And I went, so well, this is kind of basically a dot matrix printer. There was like a cough <laughs> behind me. I was like, they're looking, they're looking at me totally blank. And I went, I know you probably don't own a dot matrix printer, but you know what one is, don't you? They all went... <laughs> I went, oh my, I'm old, I'm so, uh, I'm so old. Oh no. So they had no idea what a dot matrix, never heard of a they dot ne- matrix. And they never heard the sound? No, Surely well, they'd recognise the sound. Well, that was what, because the 3D printer we use actually makes the kind of wee, wee, wee noise. It makes a very similar noise Ooh, to a dot nice. matrix printer. So that's what I was trying to compare it to. Oh, and the, no, never heard of it. So I felt old, but there's all sorts of new technologies I found, for I found a, 3D a, printing. Someone has put a YouTube clip up of a 386 booting Windows 97 or something. Right, yes. And it starts up and it goes, click, click, click. And it's all those noises. And, yes. I, and I was like, oh, this should be interesting. And I'm halfway through, I'm like, oh, my God, I remember. <laughs> I still like the old modems that oh. were just starting. And then go quiet because it was obviously connected. And I still, I'm really my, my favorite was always that's right. Yeah, yeah, that wonderful noise. Anyway, old people reminiscing about stupid computer noises. Yeah, you, have it. you know, some people can have a, there was competitions on mimicking those things <laughs> and sending protocol noises oh, with their voice. That's brilliant. So people going. And they're getting like a six board. Stream coming out yeah. or something. It's but crazy. That, that doesn't surprise me. In the 80s and maybe the freaking. 70s. Freaking. Phone freaking. Yeah. That's really worth looking into. And I was really interested in that. I, I didn't know you could do it for computers. I know you could do it for telephone exchanges. Mm. So, you, so you're saying these people could actually can make a computer think that it was getting a signal from... Yeah. That century wow. headers and stuff. Wow. That's, okay, that's impressive. That's phone freaking to a whole new level to me. That's, uh, wow. That's pretty cool. Also not cool at all. The listeners may or may not know... They probably don't. But I am a... a slow. I, they are not. They're lovely and intelligent and clever. <laughs> yeah, the walk of shame will prove me wrong. <laughs> that I am, I am a teacher. That's sort of what I work in. That's my area. Um, I, when I'm not here blasting science into your ears, then I am out there trying to teach people science. And so I find education really important, and education is very important, and how to educate kids. So a new study came out recently, which I found really, really interesting. So I'm going to put it out there to the listener. I'm going to put it out there to you, Dan, as well. If you had the money, if I said, here's $100,000 for your children, which you, which you don't have any at this oh, point. Oh, look, yeah, no, I, yeah, take the children. That's it. <laughs> I'll <laughs> not, take the $100,000, you the, take the kids. Not, not, but here's $100,000. For my children, yes. Not for, not for your children, not to buy your children. You want me to give $100,000 to the children? No, no. No, goodness, no. Just look. To just, Jason. That, yeah. What? Oh, yeah, Jason. Oh, yeah. I, am I do have a kid. You have a... Oh, God, I forgot about it. I'm I so sorry. I have a fictional sorry. podcast kid, you Jason. Fi- I forgot about Jason. Jason's probably 
13 by now. He's probably, oh, how, how, is, how, is, how is fictional podcast Jason going? Um, he's good. He's good? He's he's excelling in his studies. Oh, that's lovely. But all the subjects he he, he is excelling in are crap. Right, that's not so good then. Yeah. Well, then, okay. So fictional... Homeopathy. <laughs> homeopathic studies. <laughs> acupuncture. Uh, a... Where did I go wrong with I, that it's, kid? It's very sad. So, anyway, so fictional child Jason, podcast child Jason. Yeah. All A's. If all you... A pluses. <laughs> I mean the equivalent of A pluses, which is it's the same st- nurture stamp that everyone hugs. gets. He gets seven hugs. Seven hugs. <laughs> he's, he's, anyway, if you had that money, is there any benefit to sending Jason to a private school or a public school? One of the terrible public schools in your area. Maybe you have to sort of pick one that's sort of in your area. You can't go pick the best one. Is there any point in sending Jason to a private school, public school? What, where is the best come from? Private schools. Private schools. Surely. Surely. That's and that's what they that's what people think. Because they Why? Because they have lots more resources ah. to be able to so they're not letting down any of the students and they're able to provide them with really good stuff to work with. Yeah, there you go. So they so they got the resources. I, I like that. I think there's something to that. But the study has shown there's actually no benefit to any private schooling whatsoever. But you know all the other private school kids, and they all become ah, and all their kids are like, and all their parents we'll are like. We'll get to that. We'll get CEOs to that point. We'll get to that point. I think that's uh, that's where this study. I, th- look, you've kind of got an interesting point, but I want to pull back just slightly. Oh, okay. So to begin with, they looked at kids, and they're talking about grade three to grade five at this yeah. point. So we're not talking all the way through because the study wasn't mm-hmm. long. It wasn't a longitudinal study, and they just showed that actually. The quality of teacher in a private school is no different to a quality of teacher in a in a state run school, uh, and even things people. Oh, go, I didn't think that was the case. <laughs> but even That's crazy. But even things like you might go, oh, well, lots of there are a lot of bad kids or low socio socioeconomic kids in this area. Then my kid will have a problem. Even that was taken into account and it was shown not to be true. It really doesn't come down to that at all. So where do you think the best benefits for children come from educationally? If it's got nothing to do with the private school and nothing to do with the public school nature, why do some kids excel and some kids don't then? Because some, not... pe- some people are dumb. No, no. They're so dumb. No, no. Not, it's not even that. Um, it's bell curves. Oh, bell curves oh. say that most people are average. You know, I've got a theory. Mm-hmm. I've got a theory, and it's probably a pretty obvious theory. But the teachers that I always used to, like the subjects that I did really well in at school, were always taught by teachers who are passionate about the subject. When someone is a freaking history major and they've got to teach English and mm. grammar and they don't care about it, then you don't care about it. Yep. When someone Just... loves maths and they've got to teach geography, they're like, I don't know, fill out this thing. I think there's a lot to that too. Yes, there is a lot to that. People who are passionate and knowledgeable will teach it as well. The other thing, though, is the big one is your parents, the parents of the children. It, it has been shown with this study that the difference in education comes from parents who are interested in their children's education, that spend time doing the homework with them, who read to them at an early age, actually go, well, how what happened at school? Being involved in your child's life is actually much more important than the six hours they're working in a school, which makes perfect yeah, sense to me. Cool. But you've made a very good point. This study, uh, from the University of Queensland, I never actually said that at any point, University of Queensland study does not take into account the very big point you made before of if you send your kid to a private school then they will be hobnobbing and making connections with children who are connected to very powerful people, yeah. likely powerful people like Obama's kids but maybe, maybe you go. But there has been no study yet to show that that actually makes a big difference. But if your kid is just trying to work out to work in the sciences or work in any area, really, then it really doesn't. Don't spend your money on sending them to a private high school. Just find a high school you're happy to send them to, and send them to that. Where you need to send the money in a whole different um, report is kindergarten. Supposedly, socialising children in a kindergarten or even earlier, uh, earlier than that, in playgroups is actually much has a much greater benefit than anything else. That's cool so send your kids young teach them the right things work with your children as if you're parenting because you know you brought them to the world they're your problem and and stop wasting your money on private schools this is backed up with science are there any local private schools that deal in uh, aura studies (sighs) he's he's really good (laughs) at something that doesn't exist Dad, it's me. I've come to record the podcast. Let me in. Greg. Oh, thank goodness you're here. Quick, come in. Hey. Hey, what's up? You look scared. I think someone is watching the house. Really? How do you know? How long has it been going on? Every single day. 
Do you think they can hear us? Every word you say. Do they know what we're doing in here? Every game you play. And they're aware I I'm coming over. Every night you stay. It's like they're watching me. Oh my goodness. It must be a sting operation. Have you ever heard of the mosquito device? The one that they use to keep teenagers away from malls? I, isn't that the one Is that the one where they play lots of Michael Bolton or something and they don't like the noise? Like they no, like it's the not, music? it's not Michael Bolton. They send a, uh, a sound signal in at, I think, about 1,500 oh, okay. kilohertz. Yeah, yeah. So right. it's really high-pitched. Mm. Old people like us yes. can't hear it. Yes. Because in your ear, you've got, like, these little hairs and the size of the hair indicates where what it's going to resonate at. Yeah. And that right. information goes through and it becomes sound. Yes. So your bass sounds, they resonate with great big thick hairs in your cilia or something. But high-pitched noises vibrate on little tiny fine ones mm -hmm. and they're the ones that are more fragile and they're the ones that break off as you get older and older they die first yeah, yeah. they die first yeah. and so you can't hear and uh, I, it always delight me because you can code into a computer to mm. send out the different kilohertz sounds mm. Mm. and i found a pitch that was just higher than what i could hear that would drive my stepbrother insane oh right okay that's interesting so it's twenty thousand. was it um is it between 20 hertz and twenty thousand hertz i think is the human hearing range I think, uh, I think it's maximum of 20,000 Maximum 20,000. Yeah. But on, on, a, on a real life, it's probably up to about 12,000. That low? Are you sure? Yeah, 15,000 oh, okay. 15, was what he could hear, right. and that I, but I couldn't. Well, that seems remarkably low. That does seem remarkably low. Well, we me. were teenagers, so yeah. it probably starts at 20,000 but drops off. Very, very quickly. That's still half. Anyway, I don't really know. That seems, that seems remarkably low. Anyway, so, yep, so he could hear that and you couldn't hear at 15,000. Yep. Hmm, interesting. But, yeah, 20 hertz is the, the low limit, mm. so anything below that you can't hear. Right. But Infrasound. It's infrasound. Mm. But if you can create them under ideal conditions at a really high volume, then a human listener can actually identify that the sound is playing mm. down to about 12 hertz. Right, okay. They can kind of hear it, but they can kind of feel it. So you're but feeling they... it resonate in the audio canals or something like that. Or yeah. Something's going in your bones. Something is happening that you're, you're able yeah. to pick up on it. Mm. Below 10 hertz, it's still possible to perceive the single cycles of the sound, mm. along with a sensation of pressure on the eardrums. Right. So you can kind of sense it without hearing it. So if, it was really, if you had a lot of power to it, you could deafen someone without actually deafening them. They wouldn't even know it was happening. Because the amount of, if you put enough, enough waveforms, like, you know, the pressure would be so high, it could damage your ears because you're, you're, um, it's still there. It's still a sound. It's just not one you can hear. But if you're picking up the pressure of it, that would damage your ears. That sound, um, that sound right? Well, it's not going to, it's not going to resonate with the, with the hairs. No, but that's okay. It's, it's still, it's still a pressure wave pushing things over. Isn't it? Is that would still damage them, Maybe, it? but I think it's the, I think it's the vibration. Oh, maybe mm. if it was really loud. Yeah, yeah, I guess probably, maybe. Maybe, yeah. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it wouldn't just wiggle it off. No, because no it wouldn't. It would just knock it down. Yeah, yeah just like an explosion. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know how that works mm. in with normal ones. Mm. I wonder if you heard a, a sound at you know ten thousand hertz, mm. whether and it was really really loud, whether it would just nuke all of the ten thousand ones, and then the ones higher and lower would still be okay. I think they all just go down together. I think you, you, that's why it'd be like an explosion. Explosion is no longer. If you get a, a shock wave, it's no longer it's a sound wave technically, but it's no it just comes in and it goes into your ear and you just deafen. Mm. So I wonder, yeah, we don't know. Yeah, don't know. We will look it up. We could say it definitely is something, and then someone <laughs> will prove us right, wrong, right. Let's say right. Okay, let's say right. And what happens is everyone's range, their lower range, is slightly different. Like their thresholds are different as well for loudness. Yep. And so this group did a an experiment called the 17 hertz tone experiment and they put a bunch of people two groups of people and to listen to music mm. and underneath two of the four songs that were played in each group yep they put a tone of 17 hertz and then they did a they asked people when they came out how, how did they feel during those songs mm. and it however it was mixed up mm. however that wherever that 17 hertz tone was put in people went oh i, I felt really uncomfortable and uh, uh. they experienced anxiety uneasiness extreme sorrow mm. 
Mm. Nervous feelings of revulsion or fear, chills down the spine, and feelings of pressure on the chest. Oh, wow. So uh, infrasound can make, can make you have an emotional reaction. Yeah. Well, the physiological reaction leads to an emotional reaction. These results suggest mm. that low-frequency sound can cause people to have unusual experiences, even though they cannot consciously detect infrasound. Mm. Some scientists have suggested that this level of sound may be present at some alleged haunted sites, uh. and so cause people to have odd sensations that they attribute to a ghost. Mm. In 1998, there was a guy called Vic Tandy, who was an experimental officer and part time lecturer at the School of International Studies and Law. He was working at the laboratory one night, one night which is the haunted laboratory. <laughs> like, he did, right. did, did, people have gone, yes, this is the haunted laboratory, mm, mm. which seems like the wrong place for there to be haunting things. Yes. <laughs> but so he's working there and he's, he suddenly felt very anxious mm-hmm. and he detected a grey blob out of the corner of his eye. Oh, right. And so he turned to face the blob and it vanished. Dun, dun, dun. The following day he's working with his fencing foil. I don't know what that is. But it was it's held- a sword. Oh, is it? Yeah, yeah. Foil. Oh, a fencing foil. Yes. Oh, that makes sense. Yes. And so. the handle was held in a vice, mm-hmm. and there was nothing touching it, but the blade started to vibrate. Ah, oh, because it, it would have the right length, the resonant frequency. Make nope, it vibrate. Ghosts. It ghosts. Was ghosts. It was ghosts. It was Sorry, ghosts. Of course. Sorry, I should stop jumping at stupid science and go straight to ghosts. What, what he discovered <laughs> was that there was an extractor fan in the lab and was emitting a frequency of 18.98 hertz, right. which was very close to the resonant frequency of the eyeball. <laughs> oh, wow. So his eye was vibrating and yes. sending stimulus into his optic nerve. <laughs> that was the blob. Going, here's a grey blob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was an, an optical illusion. Yeah. And the room was exactly half the length of the wavelength. Or yeah, the, sure. The wavelength yeah. was yes. halfway. Yep. And the desk was in the centre, and it caused a standing wave, which mm-hmm. caused the vibration of the foil. Right. Yes. That's pretty cool. That's very good. So the whole thing is investigated in a paper entitled The Ghost in the Machine. <laughs> Carried out a number of investigations at various sites believed to be haunted, uh, including the basement of the Tourism Information Bureau next to Coventry Cathedral. Oh, very good. I like that. Isn't that cool? Once again, people pointing out it's just inputs that make your brain freak out, such as that the when they electrified a part of the brain and of a human's brain, and they started feeling that God was in the room. Hmm. There was the God part of the brain. It was like, there's a figure there, and it loves you, and it's all white light, and it's right in front of you. It's right there. God, God, God. And, and off. Turn it back on. Yeah, yeah, Turn it back on. Well, people even like people who don't believe in God were like. That's really weird. I had a definite feeling there was someone behind me and they, they loved me and it was all careful and it was all, it was God. I had a feeling of God. And you go, oh, and then now we've got this thing with sound where it's kind of like ghosts, ghosts, ghosts. Sound makes ghosts. So could in this you, case. You could make like a haunted experience because we've both done ghost tours. Yes, yeah. But if, if you could figure out a way to hit people with 17 kilohertz. I don't see why sound. you could get massive, you could put them behind, get massive speakers and put them behind a very thin wall. And so you couldn't see the speakers and then just have them playing a very uh, high amplitude. Uh, high amplitude? Yeah, a, a very loud sound mm-hmm. with, of um, a, a very low frequency, like thob, 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 thob. Mm-hmm. And, and that would give that kind of dread feeling. Like, that would be well. There you go. There you go. Ghost houses. You can have that for free. Then just electrify people with cables and they'll see God. Yeah. There's a theme park. <laughs> Stringent time travel laws. When do we want it? It's been shown by a number of studies that if you pet a dog, then you feel better. So they have dogs go into terminally ill patient rooms and they have dog therapy, basically, because mm-hmm. it releases oxytocin in your brain and you feel happier and more calm. So the sheer act of petting a, a dog or a cat makes you feel better. And that's great. That's, that's sort of one of the reasons we keep them around. But what's been shown recently with dogs is it seems that dogs shouldn't be in Latin hospitals because they're Filthy violent animals. they're violent sociopaths they've been playing us the whole time kill your dog kill your dog don't kill your dog I can just edit that last bit out <laughs> thanks
So we've been shown now, like, what do dogs get out of this? Dogs and humans have been working. Me. Well, yeah, I mean, me. food, that's what they thought. That maybe we gave them food and they all came in to eat food. But dogs join the pack pretty quickly. Like, they join your human pack of your family quite quickly and they can get upset when the child comes in, gets involved because they're trying to work out if they're more important or less important than the child. So there's something... Spoiler, it's less. It's, uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry, dogs, it's going to be less for some people. So for me, no, actually, I think the dog is actually very cool and the dog should be fine. But... And Azabu's university did a research. Miho and Nagasawa worked on dogs and actually looked at whether what do dogs get out of this thing that we have with a connection. Is there a connection? Is it just humans going, I have a connection with the dog? Mm-hmm. Or does the dog go, oh, no, I have a connection with the human as well? So he did a research and he said, when, when humans look in each other's eyes, like we pair mm-hmm. bond, we're a pair bonding ape, we look in each other's eyes, even now, Dan, we look in each other's eyes, oxytocin is being released into Please our don't brain. Please pair bond with me. We're pair bonding now, Dan, you can't stop it. So we're looking at each other and no matter who you look at, you do actually have a release of oxytocin. It's very, very primal for us to stare in each other's eyes. It's why we can have nine billion Now I'm humans. overthinking it. Now I'm over I need to turn in another direction. That's, 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 okay. that's better. That's, that's it. I'm, I'm still looking at you, Dan. I'm still looking at you. I don't care. I'm still looking at you. I don't I'm, care. Oh, I can't. I can't. Mm, I feel I can't so good. It. I feel so good. Anyway, actually, we'll probably... pants up. Pants back on. <laughs> so that's why we have nine billion people on this planet because we worked out how not to kill each other by basically going, oh, "We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. We're in a bus. We're cool. You know, we're we're in a very food sharing. Yeah, and just oh, just just being around each other doesn't freak us out. I know everyone goes, "Oh, I hate people." You don't because you're not taking an axe and dealing with the issue. So, so and if you are, yeah. maybe take a break, uh, call some for some help. Because that would be good. This has been another social medicine episode of Smart After the Better. But anyway, so we have oxytocin. It's in our brain. A candy bar. <laughs> a little, a little, a little burst of. Did you know this chocolate? Cho- chocolate bars. That mm. if you go to someone who wants to jump off a bridge, and if you can get them to eat a chocolate bar before they do, like in ninety eight percent, they're just like. Uh, I, I, I've leveled out. I'm good now. Yep. It's well, all just chocolate bars. Chocolate releases very similar chemicals to your brain is feeling love, the oxytocin thing again. So you, it's oh, that's why people don't eat chocolate. Anyway, back to the dogs. So they did a research where they're they, not allowed to eat chocolate. That's where I put. That's why they're so upset. So they stare at each other. So you stare at a dog, and a lot of the time I've done it with my dogs. You stare into their eyes, and you do that with a cat. Cats get very upset. Cats are like, stop. Why are you looking at me? The face on look to a cat is quite mm-hmm. aggressive. So you got to squint your eyes at them. It's all about uh, power. Yeah. And alpha and, cats can stare at you. Yeah. That's why people who don't like cats, the cats always go to them. Because the people who like cats look at the cats and go, what, you a cute little cat? And the cat's like, oh, f*** off. You're looking f- at me. Off. You're looking at me, yeah. And, then, and people who don't like cats are like, I don't f***ing care about you. And they're looking away. And the cat's like, good. You stay. In fact, I'm going to go over there and rub myself up against you. That's how inferior you are. <laughs> I own you now. So with dogs. And then I kick them and they're like, oh, I misread that. <laughs> you're crazy. So you stare at a dog and you stare in each other's eyes. And dogs can hold your gaze for quite a long time. People have quite a good reaction. So the oxytocin is being released in our brain when we stare at a dog. We yep. get the same reaction. What's been shown is that the dog is getting a blast of oxytocin as well. Somehow, staring into our eyes makes a connection in their brain and they pair bond with us or they pack bond with us. They're having a very similar chemical reaction in their brain. So the longer you stare at a dog and the longer it stares at you, is actually a, a, a bonding ritual for you mm. both. And they're getting a blast of oxytocin. Do you know where the dogs stare at each other? No, they don't stare at each other. That was the weird thing. They're saying it's something they've learned to do with us and not to do with each other. They're not really into it with each other, but they've learned with us. So this researcher decided they would take wolves and go look at wolves and stare at wolves and see if that gives a blast of oxytocin to the wolf. The answer Adrenaline. is yes. The answer is no. Ah. Wolves respond like cats respond. Like, are you staring at me? What's your friggin' issue? And they and like a cat, they will come over and have a go because they're like, stop looking at me. Uh-uh. You don't. You should not be looking at me. I'm going to come over there and make sure you stop looking at me. So they respond in a very aggressive manner. I've got I've got such a wonderful mental image of a wolf reacting like Robert De Niro. As a, <laughs> hey. Hey, what? What? Are you looking at me? Hey, no one else here. I'm a lone wolf. <laughs> Do you actually? So total side thing. A total different article I read, which which is now tie in with wolves. There's been shown now that there's no such thing as the alpha wolf. This whole concept of alpha wolves and wolf pack and hierarchies is actual total bunkum. That there's this certain wolves that are the the alpha wolf. Yeah, you get bigger wolves and they dominate packs, but they have a habit of working together as a conglomerate unit. And you don't... Like starlings. And they don't... Starlings of the earth. Starlings (laughs) of the north. North starlings. And they, they work in packs and there's no such thing as lone wolves. It's just, well, there are wolves who are alone. 
alone, but there's no like the wolf that wants to be alone. Basically, if you meet a lone wolf, it's actually having a really miserable time because it's packs dead. It doesn't want to. It doesn't go, right. I'm off by myself. It's like, oh, everyone's dead, and I'm very sad, and we'll probably live for a very short period of time. Or they're sick. They're not. There's this concept of I'm a lone wolf. You're a sick, lonely sociopath. That's what you are. That's what you are. You Just know. Need some time to think. <laughs> Anyway, back to the back to the uh, the study because I think it's really interesting because they really went down the path. So dogs, oxytocin, staring at you. Yep, you both have it. Wolves, no, wolves definitely mm-hmm. not. So he went the next step. Went okay. What about wolves who are raised by hand? Maybe it's a behavioural modification. Mm-hmm. So he found wolves that had never lived with other wolves, raised as dogs in a family of humans, mm-hmm. did the same test. Stare at, stare at the the domesticated in inverted commas wolf. Mm-hmm. No oxytocin. Again, yeah. uh, if you stare at a house wolf, that's, supposedly that's where a lot of the problems come from. They treat them like dogs as they get older, and suddenly the wolf that's in your house goes, what are you staring at all the time, you filthy human? Mm-hmm. And you have issues. You suddenly have an issue. So it's something that dogs do. Dogs came from wolves. They split off from each other. Mm. But it's something that's changed in the last 10,000 years in the dog's brain. So that's a, that's a recent evolutionary change that's probably made them dogs. So what it comes down to is the chemical reaction shows you that they're having a very similar response to you as a dog, as a human. Yeah. People say they love dogs. It is not far-fetched to say that your dog does love you. You can't, I mean, it's, you don't want to go, yeah. you don't I want mean, to anthropomorphize you, too much. You wouldn't but... say that your dog loves you. You would say that your dog rubs you. <laughs> he loves you. I rub you. Greg, I'm scared of chemtrails. Don't worry, Dan. I have a vaccination to cure you of that. A vaccination? I don't trust vaccinations. Uh, don't worry, Dan. I can spray you with some chemicals to get you over that fear. Hooray! I could get my jet. No. Pimp my time. Welcome to the newish segment of the podcast, Pimp My Time. In Pimp My Time, the premise is that one of us invites the other one to go back in time. The rules are very important. In the rules, you are step into the time machine. It's mm-hmm. a box. The door locks behind you. You are naked. You have no clothes. You can carry nothing with you. You can't have anything implanted inside you. It's just you. As soon as the door closes, it takes one hour for the time machine to power up and send you back to a random place in time, which you didn't know when you stepped in. When the door locks, it suddenly tells you, you are going back to this place at this time. You have only access to the internet inside the box through a computer. And then one hour later, you're flung back in time forever, forever to live there. And you must try and do the best you can in that time. Dan last week sent me to 18th century France, the French Revolution, and I had to work out a way of, of surviving there. It's an interesting one. Go back and listen to it. This time, Dan is being sent to... The Khmer Empire, 900 AD. Because it doesn't exist anymore. That's right. It does not exist anymore. So where the heck is the Khmer Empire? Okay. If you're looking at a map and you can't find the word Cambodia, which is kind of exists where that in that area. Sure. If you're looking at a map, you can recognize India because it's the big pointy bit. <laughs> so on the right hand side, it's like the big bulbous bit that you don't remember seeing. <laughs> right. I, I, my, my, my geography of that part of the world is abysmal. Absolutely shocking. abysmal. Shocking. Terrible. Shocking. Now, so what uh, you're trying to say is Southeast Asia. Yeah. Right. So look, I'm assuming that I'm going back to a place where it's just jungle and no society whatsoever. Turns out, not so much. <laughs> Turns out that Angkor mm-hmm. was the largest pre-industrial urban centre in the world. What? Do a little joke there. Ah, oh, damn it. Oh, I get it. Yeah. yeah. Angkor what? Yeah, but that's, but that's not Angkor. No, no, Angkor's no. the place. I, Angkor I, what is a temple. Yeah, I know. I, in I, Angkor. I was just... You don't have to. Just, Should have waited until I talked about the temples. But then you, but then you would have gone Angkor Wat, and I would have gone what? And I wouldn't mean. Moving on. <laughs> My way. When you go back in time, don't make that joke. It makes no sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. No, I wouldn't because I'd have to teach them English. Well, the, the, oh, hang on. Was that, that another assumption? Is what you can speak the language when you go back? Look, we're gonna gloss over that. We're part gonna gloss over that part. Okay. That's not the. No, yeah, yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's the culture bit. The computer well, this, puts the language is, in your brain. This is a science thing. Right. This is a science. Let's just add that bit. Let's because just say, someone said sleep French. Someone said, oh, if I went back to revolutionary France, yes, then I would. I'd, I'd, I'd meet these people and then I'd tell them about this thing and then I'd do mm. this political intrigue thing. And and, she, and this, she spent like five minutes trying to figure out all. It, 
coming up with a brilliant scheme yes. had nothing to do with science whatsoever. But it was all with, political machinations. But we can get around that too. That's that, it, um, that problem can be solved very quickly. The moment you've gone back, you have changed the time stream. Because in mine, I became Joseph Bazalgette, basically. So Joseph Bazalgette will get nothing. So you've changed the past. All that thing won't happen anymore. In our time version. In our version of time travel. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Moving on. Science. Okay. So the, per- the guy reigning at the time... Mm-hmm. Was uh, Yasser Varman the first? The first. He was a god king. Oh. But I've always wanted to be under a god king. Pretty... Like that, if you're going to have to, like, yep. not, well, not vote for someone, if someone is going to be in charge <laughs> of you, you wanted to be a god king. Yep. Now, what he did is he established a new capital, mm. Yasser Harapura, the first city of Angkor. Mm. Now, they had a capital city, but then they moved it. Mm. They just went, no, we, went it's not, not good enough here. We're moving somewhere else. Got it. So they moved it to between two rivers. Sure. They built this giant water reservoir. Got it. They just moved the whole city. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And then it's good to be the god king. It's good. It was up until nine ten, where he died of leprosy. I'm like, oh, if I could spend ten years Uh. figuring out how to cure leprosy, then (laughs) I then I'm it's easy street from that point on. And I'm like. Well, it's easy. I just have to cure the guy's leprosy. Yeah. I've got plenty of time. Right. How do you cure leprosy? How do you cure leprosy? Antibiotics. Yes. <gasps> okay. Oh. There wasn't really enough time to become a biochemist. No. In one hour? Yeah. Mm. Without any other biochemists to learn from. Yeah, right. Um, and even the internet can't make you a biochemist. Yeah. And I, I an checked. And it, you can't. <laughs> it can't. So all those listeners going, well, yeah. I just to become a biochemist. No, you wouldn't. There was, there was one website that would give me the qualifications of a biochemist. <laughs> But I did, yeah, it would, uh, yeah. It didn't have an SSL certificate on it. I love the idea you go back and go, "Hey, God King, I'm a biochemist, and this piece of paper says so." Yeah. What's a biochemist? What's a piece of paper? <laughs> What's going on here? It's like a parchment, but thinner. Yeah. Okay, we're getting off the point. We're getting off the point. We're getting very far off the point. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so there must be another way to cure leprosy. Mm. Because God, God cures leprosy. Well, Jesus. That's ridiculous. Touch his feet. That's magical thinking. What I did is like, okay, so I don't have antibiotics, so I need to find something that would occur in that nature. Mm. So I did a search for natural remedies to leprosy. Mm. And it was only after I did that that I realized how stupid that was. (laughs) You just wasted five minutes of your hour. I found a lot of useless sites. (laughs) And, and like, you know, a lot of these sites are like, oh, if you've got cancer, then Mm. you should wipe heathen's oil on it and... (laughs) And, and get and get as for crystals and hang them above your bed, sort right, of stuff. Good, good. And then mm. most of the time, your cancer will clear up. Oh. Like they're, they're generally pretty optimistic. <laughs> right. um, all these sites, natural remedies to leprosy. Yeah. Everyone had these write-ups that say, um, "We well, could try these herbs, mm. but you are going to die." Right. Like there was uh. no. It was like, no, you are definitely going to die. Uh. So nothing we could do. Sorry. <sighs> yeah. So I realised. I was getting off track. I, I don't think I was going to be able to solve this guy's leprosy problem. Right. How much time have you spent at this point in time of your hour, do you think, at this point? <laughs> Probably about 15, 20 minutes. Ouch, ouch. So about one quarter to one thirty of time uh, on, a, on a downward slope of nothing, okay? So you've got 40 minutes left. Okay. What do you do? So I'm thinking geographically. And by the way, behind you, there's like a time thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Beep, beep, beep. There's pressure there, too. Well, I've been naked in a box with the internet, so I like, we wasted another 20 minutes before that. <laughs> The... Let's take the edge off. Yeah. Okay, I'm calm now. I'm calm. Let's travel back in time. Oh, a ten-minute nap. Uh, oh, no. Okay, so they moved the city okay. so that it was more defensible. Between yep. two rivers, mm-hmm. big reservoir, oh, and they eat a lot of fish. They're a, they're a river society. Got it. Okay. Like, they, they deal with the water a lot. One of the problems they've got to deal with is Chinese insurgents. In- incursions? In- incursions. Right, okay. Chinese incursions. Using water vessels. Right, coming along the coast and into the rivers. Coming into the, yeah, coming right. into the rivers okay. and then just kicking ass. Right. So, you know what? I reckon I could do some boat technology that would get my society, give them the upper hand against people coming in with sailing boats uh-huh. and rowing boats. Got it. The paddle steamer. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Imagine. Shush. That's not where my brain went at all. That's brilliant. Imagine. <laughs> 
that I invented paddle steamers. Wow! So that we could get people in little paddles, running along the paddles and making the boats oh, go not fast. Not like a steam powered one. Not you... a steam powered. Oh. Steam engines beyond my capabilities. Right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. No. No. That's fair this enough. is a man. This is a man run. Right. Run, running on the paddles. Yes. Like a big wheel, like a hamster Great wheel. Great big hamster wheel. Right. People running on the thing, and, and so even in a still wind, we you got these vessels that can run really quick oh. and move across the and, water. And be really maneuverable. You have ones on the left and ones on the right, so they can like change yeah. direction really fast. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, pretty is good. It, pretty is it good. better than rowing? It well, it's well, we don't row anymore. <laughs> oh, I guess we do. People do row. I'm People just, do so, row. So I'm just trying to work out: is, is the hamster wheel? Did, did, did the um, Khmer Empire have rowing boats? Did they row along the rivers, or did they sail along the rivers? I. It was a lot, mostly sailboats. Sailboats. Okay, cool. Yeah, not about rowing. I'm sure they would, though. Yeah. The right. oars are pretty obvious. Yeah, okay. But with the paddle steamer... Mm. Paddle it's not a steamer. Idea. It's not a steamer. Well, yeah. paddle, paddle wheel. Yes. That's not obvious at all. Yeah, no, no, not at all. That's right. It took the Chinese until the 5th century to come up with that one. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Bum. So this is 14, 1,400 years out. Well, oh, I'm back. Oh no, the five, sorry, five hundred years back, out. Yeah, it's four hundred years out. Right. Okay. Oh, right. Oh, drat, they're ahead of you. So your paddle boat would get met with a much nicer paddle boat. Yeah. A successful paddle wheel warship design was made in China uh, by Prince Li Gao in seven eight four AD during an imperial examination of the provinces by the Tang Dynasty. Damn. Emperor. Oh man, so they're ahead of you. They're ahead of so you. Man. You're a time traveler, and they're still ahead of you. I know. What's that about? Uh, although I did find this really interesting paddle wheel device where you get like a rowboat mm-hmm. and you tie a long rope to it. Right. And you let it run you all the way down the river, and the rope is attached to an axle. Mm-hmm. And the axle on both sides, you put little paddle wheels on either side of the boat. <laughs> and the water, so the, the stream runs down, and you put the paddle wheels in, and the paddle wheels roll under, on, with the water, <laughs> and it the winds rope? you back up to the beginning. <laughs> That's very cute. And like... that, that didn't, no one came up with that until the 14th century or something. Right. And I'm like, oh. well, that might be a valuable way of moving stuff around without having yeah, to, like, yeah. automating Mm-mm. moving so stuff up and down the river. It means that less people would have to be in the boat rowing it up, because rowing yeah. up a river sucks. Well, you don't have to have anyone in it. You just let it go, oh, and okay. it just goes down, and then yes. down at the other end. They load it all up, put the, engage Ooh, the axle, and yeah. then it rolls all the way back up. Yeah, that's so it's a little automated boat. I like that. Is that what your big idea? How, many, how much time you, did you spend on the paddle wheel? And then before you found out the Chinese had done it 400 years earlier. Um, so what, how much time are we looking at now? Uh, well, this is up to about minute 55. Oh no! But <laughs> it all came together. You see, <laughs> because the machine's, the machine's really beeping now. Blip, 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 blip. Because we've got a lot of work on the river. Mm battle on the river. Mm-hmm. We need some way of taking out the Chinese vessels yes. so that completely wows them, blows them away. Yes. I'm going to invent mm-hmm. a submarine. What? Yep. What? And yep. In 1000 AD, you're going to invent, yep. a, th- you're gonna invent a submarine. 900 AD. We're, we're going to make a submarine. Are you really? You have the technology to do that? Well, number one, it's, it's actually not too tricky to get a submarine just under the water. Okay. You can get uh, like people did it for years using just a big metal bell. But you're not people, Dan. Oh, I'm better than people. Are you better than people? <laughs> no, I'm pretty good at putting this oh, stuff okay. together. Okay, good. Okay. How would you do it? Tell me what you're going to do. Okay, so we get a boat. Yes. Flip it upside down. Right. And possibly put another boat underneath and mm-hmm. seal them together. Now, the trick is you've got to get it to sink. Okay, yes, So yes. you put weights on it and it sinks. Now, the trick after that is you've got to get it to come back up. Yes, otherwise it's just a sunken boat. So yes. Otherwise it's just a sunken boat. Got it. So yep. that's not very helpful. <laughs> the original submarines that were developed mm. actually had great big leather bags on the, uh, like attached to either side of the vessel. Right. Like a great big leather bag. So put the leather bag underwater and the water would rush into the leather bags and poke into the boat. Yes. And it okay. would compress the air in the boat. Right. And the whole thing would sink down. Right. But if you want it to raise up again, then you use a mechanism to push those bags out, which displaces the water from inside oh, the vessel. Oh, of course. And it makes the air inside less dense. and well, that It makes the whole boat less dense because yep. you don't have water in the boat technically yeah. anymore. So it'd be very finely balanced. It would be very finely balanced. Very finely balanced. Yeah, yeah. Or a very big bag, I guess. And you just have to... Push, very, pushing that water out is really, really hard. It will be really hard. Yeah. You, uh, in fact, the one that they they created in uh, Britain, mm. I, I believe it was, or was it Italy? I don't know. There's only there's only four minutes left. <laughs> used as sort of a lever mechanism okay, to really yes. push it to yep. or twist it out or wind it out. Right, okay, yes. So, yeah, that is a bit of a trick, yep. but now I know how to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Only thing is that how do you go forward and back in a submarine? Mm. Can't use a paddle wheel. 
No, no, that's, <laughs> that's not going to work. You could use propellers. You gonna, what? What? You're going to build a propeller? You're going to build a propeller. Propellers are easy. That's a, and I suppose oh, and you just have a big axle and have some kind of... I don't want to help you. You work it yourself. I'm yeah. not, not helping you back in time. It's just an axle out and a propeller. A, pre- yeah. a propeller is a really easy thing to recreate once you know that it works. But right. they weren't invented in this form until the 1500s. Nice! You're 500 years ahead. So this is a society based on a water-run culture and I bring propellers to the table. Yes. I'm going to make out like a... Fucking bandit. <laughs> the Gog King will cover you in gold. If mm. it doesn't work mm-hmm. and I drown a couple of the Gog King's favourite uh, yeah. adventurers, yes. the streets were filled with people selling fish, meat, playing a chess-like game and gambling during cockfighting. Right. So I just introduced them to chess. <laughs> but, but chess has been... Oh, okay, no, but chess is not around that point. Go is around. Maybe that's what they're playing. Maybe I'll introduce them to chess. They'll be like, this is brilliant. <laughs> or just make extra money... Betting on the cockfighting. <laughs> so I love it. So you're going to build propellers. You're going to build uh, submarines. You're going to help them become a, a militaristic empire that will be able to stop the Chinese from coming down and taking and everyone else. Yeah. And then expand slowly out. And then Australia will be part of the Khmer Empire. Right oh, now. golden. Right now. We'd all be Khmer Empire people. Love it. <laughs> That's really good. Dan. I really like that. Mechanical suggestion. I like the fact that yours wasn't just in one area. Like mine was medicine last time. Yours sort of fits across a, a, a wide swath of their society. So yeah. that's very good. I like it. Thank you, Dan. You're blasted back in time and you live a long and happy, prosperous life in the Khmer Empire in 900 AD. Okay, you, my friend, next episode, you're going back in time to Wiltshire, England. Wiltshire, England? When? 2000 BC. 2000 BC, Wiltshire. So Neolithic times. Yep. He don't accept not fair the dinosaur. The other one got something wrong about to be slide. They do the walk. They do the walk of shame. Yeah, they do the walk of shame. Holy crap, what was that? That was Michael Barnes, obviously last <laughs> podcast, podcast listener. Yes, he, he said, hey, you could do this. And we said, no, too bad, you didn't record it. Yeah, yeah we did. Go with, we challenged uh, him. We went, we, we, went, we, went, we, went, we went with Steve's, who yep. actually had recorded it. Mm-hmm. Michael Barnes decided to step up to the plate. <laughs> he said, look, it's, it's, it's not great, mm-hmm. but if you don't like this... Then I, I swear to God, I will find more people and get and gain musical ability and find a higher <laughs> recording studio. Don't think that I won't go a hundred and ten percent. This is the same guy who did that rice experiment. He did. He will. But now I don't know. Do we we now we hold his life in our hands. Do we dare we challenge him? I feel bad about ruining a man's life for a, a podcast song. <laughs> Let's 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 hold that ace. Let's just hold, let's keep just that hold, ace up hold it back. Well, that was brilliant. So thank you, Michael Barnes, a long-time listener of the podcast, and uh, writes in and puts us straight on the walk of shame a lot. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can do better than Michael Barnes, step up to the plate. Can you beat Barnesy? I don't know. Do we call him Barnesy? Is that too familiar? That's a bit... Let's call him Barnesy, yeah. Barnesy. Barnesy. Good old Barnesy. I bet he hates M. that. M. Barnes. I bet he got that all yeah, through his teenage years. That's going to piss him off more than making him re-record the song. <laughs> so if you can do better than Michael Michael Barnes coming up with a walk of shame, very short jingle, then do so. Send it into us. We want to know. Okay. If we hollowed out the earth yes. and made it a vacuum and then jumped down the hole yes. and went from, where were we? Brisbane? Yes. To the opposite side. Other, other side, somewhere yes. in the middle of the Atlantic. Yes. How long would it take us to go through? I, I, uh, it was eight minutes or something like that. 42 minutes. 42, 42 minutes. But that's been proven to be wrong recently. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Well, we've said this on the podcast before, 42 we, minutes. Yes. From one, yeah. Any one point. Yes. And that's what everyone thought for ages. Yes, yes, right. Turns out not quite right. Okay. It's actually 38 minutes. Right. Now, the reason for that is that the original calculation was based on weighing the earth as though it all weighed the same. Mm-hmm. But the Earth is actually much denser in some parts than others. Yeah. Generally, the centre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the irony bit, yes. The, oh, yeah. <laughs> and so it changes the maths a little bit, and you mm. actually get to your destination four minutes faster. There we go. That's pretty good to know. That's, is, that's not, is that a walk of shame for us? That's just a walk of shame for science, really. Uh, well, we said it. Yeah, okay, we fine. repeated that. No, stuff. fine. So thank okay. you to John Jones for that. Thank you. Very, thank you very much for sending it to us. I made a big point during the last 
pimp my time when yep. I went back in time. And I made the comment that Joseph Bazalgette was the guy who worked out that disease wasn't spread by miasma, the smell. And he worked out his little microbes and things mm-hmm. in the water. And, they, and therefore he blocked off the water and it stopped the cholera. And that's led to him building these amazing sewer systems through London mm-hmm. that are still used today. And I based everything on that. I was wrong. Someone else figured it out before that, but everyone laughed at them. Didn't That's they? right. It, it, was, it was sent in by a girl clumsy, sent this to me. Uh, this was sent because the man's name was John Snow. Uh, if you know Girl Clumsy, oh my if you know Girl Clumsy, you know that she's madly into Game of Thrones. Does Game of Thrones recaps for her newspaper, and she went, "No, no, 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 it wasn't Joseph Bazalgette." Also, you don't talk about British history and get it wrong in front of Girl Clumsy. Uh-huh. She gets very upset. She's memorized it all. Every king, every queen, every every person. She knows everyone's life in Britain from the highest person to the lowliest person. All of them. She, knows. she just did a quiz on the Guardian website. Oh yes. And out of she got sixteen out of twenty. I bet that upset her. Oh, I bet that upset her. Oh. She'd be ropeable. <laughs> but she has all this knowledge, and she, it's, it was a guy by the name of John Snow. John Snow was the guy who went down into the poor people's area where the water pumps are, where everyone got their water from, and went. I think cholera comes from the water. He shut down the pipes, and therefore people stopped getting cholera in that area, proving it was in the water, not in the smell. Now the mistake I made was Joseph Bazalgette went. It's the miasma. It's the smell. Therefore, if we keep the smell of the poo away from people. They won't get disease. So I will build amazing bricked... Uh, Ventilation uh, No, no, um, uh, sewer systems. All oh, right. So he was had the wrong idea but did the right thing. Oh, uh, there so you go. By keeping the smell away from them, he also kept the poo away from them, which kept away the microbes, yeah. therefore the cholera went away. So the, I was wrong and I stand corrected. I will happily walk down that walk of shame. Thank you, Gold Clumsy. <sighs> I don't want to do the next one. You don't do the next one? No. Is it, is, is it, obviously, it's not for me. No. You love those ones. Yeah, yeah no, I love them. <laughs> I don't want to do this one because sometimes they say dumb things on the podcast. No. no. And, and, and then someone points out, oh, you are very definitely wrong. And I'm like, yeah, fair cop. But this, I'm just really embarrassed about this oh, one. Okay, wait, what's happened? <sighs> come on, come on, Dan. It's, it's best to share a problem. Okay. A problem shared is a problem laughed at by me last, and you. Last major episode, I talked about how saline is sterile. Right. Because it's all salt water and nothing grows in salt water. Yes. That turns out, uh, as pointed out by Steve Nerlick. Yes. Not to be true. Right. And to be very, very definitely not true. <laughs> yes. And being that that's the actual information I brought to the podcast, it wasn't just something off the top of my head. It's yeah. something I brought to the podcast. I, I feel awful. <laughs> so you actually really screwed up. I really screwed up. Now, yes. in my defense... Mm. I'd been very busy. Like, we had, we recorded that mm. just before the final night of our play. That's true. Like, I'd been insane for six weeks before sure, that. Sure, There wasn't enough time, people. Sure, I sure, rushed yeah. my results. Uh, I rushed to publish. Oh, Mia culpa. Dan's, Dan's hurling himself. Okay. So, what, so what was wrong so, and what should it have been? So Steve points out that the saline, it's sterile mm. because... They sterilised They sterilised it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He says, if you if you had bacteria to saline, it'll grow happily, raise yeah. families. Right, right, okay. Yeah. So it's not naturally, it's not going to be, it's not going to kill things because it's saline, saline no. water. That makes sense. When you think about it for a moment, you think of the ocean, stuff lives in the yeah, ocean. Yeah, stuff, that, exactly. This coral pops. That's where life started. <laughs> it handles salt water quite well. Yeah. Probably saltier than the saline, uh, which is definitely saltier yeah. than the saline. Yeah, that's yeah. something that occurred to me. Yeah. Which made me tighten up my fetal position just that much more. <laughs> I also said yeah. that if there's salty cells mm-hmm. and the water outside is is not salty, yes, then the salt would leach out of the cells and into the water. Now, if you expose cells that have some salt in them mm-hmm. to fresh water, mm. the salt doesn't leach mm. out of it. Right. What do you know about water and salt? If you have some salt and then you press it up against something wet, the salt absorbs the water. Right. Yes. Okay. Okay, so the salt sits in the cell. Mm. It absorbs the water from Os- outside the cell. Osmotic pressure. Osmotic pressure. Yes, okay. So, like, if it, if it was just a salty outside, mm. nothing would happen. But if just, it, Right, it's yeah. a difference. But if it's fresh water, mm. it sucks more water in, uh-huh. which bursts the cell. So a freshwater fish in salt water won't handle it very well. No, because its if... cells will actually basically... Expand. Ex- ex- expand, mm. burst, oh, and okay. not do the function that cells are supposed to do. Right. Now, you could kill someone by giving them pure water IV because all their red cells burst, which is hemolysis, Mm. and they get renal failure as well as cerebral edemas, which isn't good. No, none of that's good. Not good. I said that some saline was as salty as salt water, as seawater. Mm, yeah. No. 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 It's no. less than a third. Not right. Less it, than a third. And I made some comment about blood. How that? How that go down? 
I think I was I was totally incorrect there too. He didn't mention it. PH. I was mentioning. Uh, oh, hang on. Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, yeah. Greg threw out a shot in the dark of seven point five. Mm. Which was probably a vague memory of normal pH. But yes, I was mixing pH with salinity. Yeah. Ah, there you go. Well, see, now I stand corrected too. Steve is keeping us. I thought Steve was an astronomer. So he's obviously got some amazing, amazing knowledge about. He was a biology major, class what? of 84. <sighs> he was an RN in intensive care. Oh, my goodness. He did an intensive care certificate for a while as well. So he's a registered nurse. That's really interesting. So he, what a dark horse. Steve, you dark horse. Oh, there you go. So, well, that was a big, big mistake that we made there. That was, I'm, um, I'm going to need a drink of fresh water by the end of this. Not too fresh, though. Not too fresh. Not too fresh. No, no. Oh, there's still another one. Oh no, it's for me as well. Oh no. Hey, send them to me, guys. I would take much greater pleasure send... in hammering Dan. He look the look and glee in this man's eyes when I make a mistake. It's it's just terrifying to behold. I think I would have I would have I would have had I would have had all this to throw at him. And but you sent it to him. Send it to me. Send no. it to me. Well, this was one that I found myself. Oh my god. Um, send it to me, Dan. Remember, we were talking about the minor planets. Yes. And there was the first controversial one. The guy named after his cat. Right, Dr. Yes. Spock. Yes. And we talked about how it, how the cat was a doctor and Mr. Spock wasn't a doctor. Mm, mm. Turns out that the cat was actually named after Mr. Spock and was called Mr. Spock. The website that I got the information from oh. did the same mistake that everyone uh-huh. makes and called right. it Dr. Spock, not Mr. Spock. Right. So he didn't name his cat after a paediatrician. Right. He named it after the... Oh, so it was your walk of shame and their walk of shame, everyone's walk of shame. Oh, Wow. They're, they're big ones then, but that's why we do this on the podcast so we can correct our mistake. If you hear any mistakes that Greg has made, please send the mistake to or and the solution to the mistake, the solve mm. to Dan at smartenough.org. And if Dan makes a mistake, then I want to know it, Greg at smartenough.org, so I can throw it back on the podcast at him. It makes it much more fun, so please keep that in mind. But keep sending them in. We don't mind if they make a mistake. We want to be kept as honest as possible because we don't want to spread misinformation any to more you. than we do. Than we do. That's right, and that, that's the reason why you should continue listening to the podcast. Because if you don't, if you just give up listening to our podcast, you go, "Oh, look, I've had enough of this podcast." Then you will end up having misinformation in your head. You are reducing the right information of the world. You're, if you yeah. stop listening to us, you're to blame. You're to, you're to blame for all the problems you see around you. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. Sometimes a song, Dan grabs people's attention and yeah <laughs> and sometimes i find these things i'm sort of i'm, I'm kind of clued into the science web and all this information comes down and i spend quite a few well probably an hour every day actually looking things reading things for the podcast and, and not just the podcast the science stuff being sucked into my brain and i found this song and oh that's brilliant because it ties into really cool things i enjoy uh, it ties into stuff that you enjoy <laughs> ties songs in... about that are always so awful <laughs> ties into things that i enjoy and then i remember them and i Notice this one just suddenly started gaining traction and gaining more and more traction. And suddenly, not amongst users on the internet, they, sud- they've got terrible taste. <laughs> suddenly, everyone on the internet that I knew anyway was talking about this song. So here it is. I'm going to play it for you first. You're going to know what it is when you hear it, ladies and gentlemen. You've probably heard it before. If you listen to this podcast, you're going to know the song. But enjoy. Whenever life gets you down, Mrs. Brown, and things seem hard or tough. And people are stupid, obnoxious, or damn. And you feel that you've had quite enough. Just remember that you're standing on a planet that's evolving and revolving at 900 miles an hour. That's orbiting at 19 miles a second, so it's reckoned. The sun that is the source of all our power. The sun and you and me and all the stars that we can see are moving at a million miles a day. In an outer spiral arm at 400,000 miles an hour in a galaxy we call the Milky Way. Our galaxy itself contains 500 billion stars. It's a hundred thousand light years side to side. 
It well kiss in the middle, 6,000 light years thick, but out by us it's just a thousand light years wide. We're 30,000 light years from galactic central point. We go round every 200 million years. And our galaxy is only one of millions of billions in this amazing and expanding universe. it can whiz as fast as it can go at the speed of light you know 12 million miles a minute and that's the fastest speed there is so remember when you're feeling very small and insecure how amazing and lively is your birth and pray that there's intelligent life somewhere out in space cause there's bugger all down here on earth so that was, of course, Stephen Hawking singing the Monty Python Galaxy song, and it's kind of swept across the science internet because everyone loves Stephen Hawking. He's just like a dude. Eddie Redmayne won an Oscar playing him, and everyone's like, ah, oh, Stephen Hawking's. I find that song very distressing. Why do you find it distressing? Because I learned that original song <laughs> off by heart when I was a kid, when right. I was a teenager, yes. and that's where I get all of my <laughs> astrophysics knowledge from. <laughs> Like, that's how... From Eric Idle, From Eric Idle. Right. The galaxy itself, 100 million stars, 100,000 light years side to side. Yep. Bulge in the middle, 15,000 light years thick. Well, for us, it's just 15,000 light years wide. wide. But all of those numbers have been updated. Uh, To be correct. To be correct. And now I I don't know where I stand. It's still in miles. That's what annoys me. It's still using an ancient, crappy, non-scientific notation. They didn't change it that much. Didn't go to light years or kilometers. Kilometers. Some of them are in light years. Oh, yeah, I suppose so. But yeah, it's just... Oh, the speeds are in miles. All the galactic sizes are in light years. It's, 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 it's a mishmash of weird... Oh, that's Stephen Hawking. If I get him, I'm going to shake him. I don't want to have to learn that version, though. You don't have to. It's an old song. Why do you have to learn that version? I just, I'm just saying it's an, I like, I've always liked the Galaxy song. Well, I'm uh, not going to learn all the numbers just by themselves. <laughs> Wouldn't it just be... I love it because at the end, it's, I just love that part of, you know, when you ever feeling small and secure, think on how, unli- how unlikely is your birth and pray that there's intelligent life somewhere up in space because there's bugger all down here on Earth. That's a beautiful... I love that beautiful... I, I, that's just great. You like that self-deprecation? Yes. And, and also, I like the fact it's got a moment of hope in it. It's, it's, it's hopeful, and then it kicks you in the nuts. So it's, uh, <laughs> but it's, it's like, whenever you're feeling sad and secure, remember how unlikely Sounds was your like birth. Relationship. It's, uh, it's so good to go, yes, we are small and secure, but you are an amazing thing. And all, the, all the parts that make you you in this tiny bit of time is really infinitely small chance of it happening, and here you are. It's pretty it's, good. It's pretty awesome. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And you've also been listening to Greg at smartenough.org. You can follow us on Twitter, SE2KB. How about that Facebook thing, huh? That's cool. We're on that too. Woo! We should probably get on Tumblr. All the cool kids do Tumblr now, I've been told. I don't want to be a cool kid. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, it took me weeks of sending Snapchats, like Smart Enough No Better Snapchats. Yes. Uh, which were all uh, biology photos. Ro- Ew. Right. Um, you can get onto iTunes and you can rate us or subscribe to us or write a review or all three or a blend of the th- two of the three. Any two of <laughs> the three. two and do them well and forget the third one. Yeah. There you go. Also, if you want to see what my face looks like and put it to a voice, go on the internet. There's pictures of me everywhere. But beyond that, if you want to see me in real life, come along to the storytelling of science with Science Nation in Brisbane on the 2nd of May and you see me and actual real scientists talking about science in fun and exciting ways. We comedy all that sort of good stuff so just go to thesciencenation.com one word thesciencenation and you can come and see me chat about things if you don't want to see me and you don't live in Brisbane but you live in other cities in Australia you can go to Sydney on the 16th of May or the 23rd of May in Adelaide and see some really cool science people also talking about science as well the science nation if you're on the other side of the planet and you want to talk to people about science get along to smartenough.org and 
put in a comment after the uh, podcast. You may remember, ladies and gentlemen, we talked to the very funny and very knowledgeable Robin Ince. Uh, talking about his happiness through science tour, mm-hmm. comedy tour. Now, that's through the Atheist Foundation of Australia. He's now in Australia. It's happening. Brisbane on the 22nd of April and Sydney on the 25th. You can go buy tickets. Just type in Robin Ince, I-N-C-E, happiness through science, or go to the Atheist Foundation of Australia page. We'll put the link in the in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be and, in there. Uh, come along. We'll be there. There'll be a lot of fun. And uh, meet us, meet him, and have a grand old time. If you would like, rather give that money to us... Uh, we're available for hire for MC and, and murder mystery parties and all that sort of stuff. Get along to the website and click on the for hire button. In the forums, Kirsten McCauley, she actually wrote to us and pointed out that sometimes we actually do an interesting thing. We spread science that can be used in real ways. So she wrote, Z-O-M-G, Zomig. Guys, I was able to use science in real life thanks to you. My mum had gotten eyelash extensions. Yes, they're a thing. And a few days after she started complaining about suddenly having dry eyes all the time, I was able to tell her why thanks to Smart Enough to Know Better. Episode 89. So thanks to helping me appear smarter, enougher, toer, knower, betterer. Helping people. So there you go. So if you want to know what we're talking about, go back. Episode 89. And we talk about the length of eyelashes and why your eyes have the eyelashes you have. And as we always like to say... Look into my eyes, Dan. Look into my eyes. I don't, I don't, I'm looking. No, no, I can't. I, no, no, look it away. I can't. I can't. Oh, I, I, I want to check to see whether you're still looking. But like, oh god, he's still looking. I love you. And normally, it's coming from white men going, "I don't want to lose the 99% control of the planet I have." Thanks. That's- I don't think that. I don't think it is. I think it's the white men who are being told that they're privileged but don't feel privileged. Yes. Yeah. That's that's well. Yeah. It's that's the a good gamers point. and yeah. stand-up comics. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's not yeah. the CEOs yeah. going, "You're a fucking. S- I hope you." Uh, yeah. That guy's like, I don't care. There used to be a lot more squealing, I remember. Yes. I We've grown up. We've grown up. We're adults now. It's an adult podcast of adult ideas. Penis. <laughs> I feel like that's going to get cut out. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. I'm sorry. It, it, didn't, yeah. it didn't make it much sense. It has a tone. I guess a man would be a backwards vagina. Stop speaking. No, right, I'm stopping. Stop speaking. Okay, stopping. <laughs>